Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we can open the door and frankly we'll be pleased to. I'm Jonathan and with me as always is my co-host Douglas. How are you Douglas? I'm doing good. I would like, well I'm very sick and I apologise in advance for this horrific sounding end of the podcast from my end because also for the past two episodes my audio interface is not doing well so I probably sound, not only do I sound like shit because of my audio interface I just sound like shit full stop. Mm. So I'm really, really, really deeply sorry for that. But I hope uh, that that's okay. I would also like to comment on how in the document you did the- Not only did you bold the whole line, really, so everything is in bold. But you did the two little underscores next to please to really make it pop out, you know? It's how to, how to really let everyone know that you're a programmer and that you fucking write everything but, in Markdown. Exactly. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've been watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 88, is 2001, A Space Odyssey. After the discovery of a strange alien artifact on the moon, a crew of astronauts and a hyper-intelligent AI are sent to Jupiter to track down another one. Another one. 2001 is directed and written by Stanley Kubrick, who... Uh, <laughs> now I'm testing. Yeah, go ahead. I did, usually we write these down. No, but I no, was like, no, no. I did think I was like, I need to write that down. But I was also like, nah, let's test Jonathan's knowledge here. Yeah, you absolutely go. got me. But Douglas chose this point to drink from a two litre bottle of fucking iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, what about it? Yeah, well, I've got- uh, It's that what threw you off. I've got dual I issues. It was the, uh, what have bad. we done with Kubrick before? I don't <laughs> fucking know. Um, Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Oh my god, man. Far out. Okay, okay, uh, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, and then, um, mm, 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 delicious. Very citrusy. Oh, the clockwork orange, okay. Yeah, 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 okay, that's one. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. And then, uh, (laughs) um, oh, how do you do that one? Uh, on your bazaar, yeah. Oh, a clockwork orange. Oh, very good. Well done. It was based on the novel by um, Arthur C. Clarke as well. I, well What's the other film? What's the other film? Done anyway, I guess. Barry Lyndon. I was never going to get and that. And Full Metal Jacket. I was never, I was never going to get Barry Lyndon. Full Metal Jacket, that was not a bad film. Neither Douglas nor I have watched this film before, Douglas. How did you, what did you think? What are your big picture feelings on two? This is a big one, Douglas. This is a big, we had a couple of big ones, Douglas. Yeah. We had a couple of I big remember, ones. I remember, I remember, so- I remember saying when we did the Full Metal Jacket episode that it kind of really set the duds from the the good ones in Kubrick's filmography because Full Metal Jacket just really stood out from the rest of the crowd as far as a film directed by him goes. And 2001, I think, in my personal opinion, does that again. But- this is not a Kubrick film for everyone. I don't think- Actually, it goes for nearly all the Kubrick films. I don't think Kubrick films are really for anyone, honestly. <laughs> but somehow they've landed themselves as a very, like, household name in cinema, which is so weird to me because so many things about Kubrick films shouldn't work. You know what I mean? And for a lot of people, it doesn't work, which is completely fine. And I think, I think my prediction, sports bet, odds, 
$30, to, sorry, what is it? 30 cents to, I don't know how betting works. I've never bet in my life. Um, my prediction is that you think that it's too slow and you checked your watch and you got bored and then you went, mm, dumb movie. I don't understand no, what's happening. No, no, no. I get that, and I get that money from the bet, Douglas. I get the big payout. Whoa! I didn't. I, didn't, I mean, the film payout. is the film is slow as fuck. Actually, no, wait. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, the film is slow. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Here's your here's your here's your three dollars, sir. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. I get I get a little bit back. Yeah, thank you. It wasn't even really my problem because I think we've had this with like Blade Runner twenty forty nine seven nine. Um, 2077 and 2049 are uh, mixing up in my head. That That's like a very slow film that's like extremely atmospheric. And I can, you know, I like a, I like a nice pretty picture as much as the next person, Douglas. And I will say this film's got a lot of pretty pictures. What the film doesn't have, Douglas, is a coherence, the coherent wrong word. story. <laughs> coherence, the wrong word. Because if it wasn't coherent, you'd be like, What's going on? This is all over the place. It's not the structured whole thing. well. True. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is not. We wouldn't be able to write a summary. It, yeah. It is not a complex story or a story that I think says anything. Yes. But and holy fuck, people will disagree with you on that. But I absolutely stand by that. That the film is not saying anything. Uh, we will yeah, get into no. this more in the spoilers, I suppose. We just we just rolled up a bunch of Kubrick. Fans yeah, well, though, you know, whatever. This is this has been the th- this last couple months. The whole podcast we've just kind of been ruffling feathers. Yeah, honestly, but the last which, couple months like, has been like it, it. It was at the start of the podcast. It was like it's inevitable. The start of the podcast, yeah. we were really testing all our Indian viewers. A lot of the hot Indian films ended up in the first like fifty or one hundred, and now we're in this. Mm. We're in the second to last set of 50. We're testing Western culture, baby. Absolutely. Susan Cain, I could take it or leave it. Vertigo, it's fine, I guess. 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's pretty, baby. The story's fucking stupid. (laughs) Absolutely. And I stand by that. It's uh, style over substance. Absolutely. Every time, baby. Absolutely. And uh, you know what? When you got my main G Kubrick running the the ship, so to speak, it is certainly stylish and so stylish, in fact, that it was doing some shit where I went, How do you do that? Like how do you how did you do that? With camera, with special effects in nineteen sixty eight. These motherfuckers hadn't even been to the moon yet. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we hadn't even had that yet until 1969, but whatever. When it was being filmed, it was probably 1967, 66. So, like, to have the brain power and knowledge and resources at hand as Stanley Kubrick to be able to make this film as stylish and as confidently as he does, I think is superb. A lot of people are saying, yeah, that it kind of Kubrick killed the science fiction genre by just making this film because it renders all other science film obsolete. And I go, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Oh, what a- Naughty. Wow. Incorrect. That is the shittest take I've heard in a long time. Do people really Such say that? Such a- Like, spread his ass cheeks, put your tongue in that butthole, my dude. Oh, like, right. For- <laughs> like, it's- it's 
I, I hear where they're coming from. I hear where they're coming from. But I think, as we said, what this film doesn't have is substance very much. But I don't really care about that mm. because the film goes so balls deep in style and has landed itself in cinema culture to be as influential as it is, you know, because- Shit, this film came out nine years before the first Star Wars did. Mm. That's nine years of time for daddy boy George Lucas to watch this film and go, fuck, how did they do that? I want to do that. Oh, my God. Nah, it's crazy. Mm. You, Yes, I, I stand by- I, I appreciate some visuals that even in some cases overstay their welcome, Douglas, but in this case, I think that it is like- it's slow plotting. There's a there's a sequence at the end where you're just like, you're like you're like I got it, I got it three minutes ago. What what? Are we, and in the beginning as well, in the first bit where Kubrick don't care because <laughs> because I like a long establishing shot, but they'll have like long mm. establishing shot sequence of events, another two minutes of establishing. I'm like I know where we are. You're gonna watch a ship landing for fifteen minutes. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. And there's stuff like that, like, a lot of that stuff is cool, and I can- I can allow that, because it's cool space stuff, and it's- and you're like, here's where the imagination is, you know? And- and it is a ship landing for 15 minutes, but it's like, here's a different angle, here's, like, the ship port, here's the cockpit. There- there are things that are building on the entire picture, but- especially in the beginning, where they're like, it is a bunch of monkeys fucking around in Africa- Still, and then at the end where it's like, spoiler, not going to say it, but there's a, there's some stuff that really hangs around a lot longer than it should. I'm thinking of the last epic we did. Lawrence of Arabia, I guess. Yeah. Some of them you're like, okay, there is three hours of story here, but this one is like, there's like- There's no story, really. There's a lot of world building, which is cool. And I, yes. and I, and yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. But I could do a single pass and trim half an hour off this film and make it two hours. Easy. It's based on a short story. And the short story is just about them finding the monolith and then opening it. Yeah. (laughs) It's so fucking stupid. But I fucking adored all these, like, little ships. I love how they've got this- I'm assuming lots of, like, miniatures and stuff to Mm. make that behave. But you, like, you are convinced, you know? You are absolutely- It's so believable. This would have blown people's minds when it came out in 1968, Mm. surely. Like- I I dare say it holds up today. No, absolutely. There's just so much stuff where I'm thinking with the resources that you have in 1968, how do you do that? Mm. Like, the bit where the the stewardess, like, walks in and she, like, grabs the the food thing- (laughs) And it's the shot, and she, like, walks up onto the ceiling and then, like, steps over into another room. But her body is so perfectly, like, isolated in the center of the shot that it just looks so clean as she goes upside down. I'm like, she got them Velcro shoes on. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) The bit, ah, the iconic bit of the pen as well, you know? Oh, Um, yes. Which, the, the pen floating around, which I did- looking into trivia, figure out how it was done, and I'm a bit like, oh, well, that's a bummer. So I, there, there are 
there are a couple of elements where you're like, oh, I can see that that's on strings, but the yeah, totally. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah. honestly a rarity, and a lot of the stuff where it, when it's in like space, space, like I'm like, how the fuck you can man? you can ever ever so often pick a some flavor of double exposure to get people in mm. the cockpit of what are like miniatures, but but so in like. That is the only thing. Besides that, they look completely legit. It's fucking excellent. There's a lot of circular ships as well, and the way the camera will follow these characters around the circular ships, which I'm assuming just has to be some form of smoke and mirror trickery, but- Some big rotating sets, yeah. Yes, yeah. Which- It's um, just- The scale is so impressive. I'd love to see what the rigs of that look like. I might check that out after this episode. Yeah. But, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, sh- that shit is excellent. Like, the inside of almost all these ships. And also this very interesting concept of, like, what would it, it would have been 30 years in the future where they think things like fashion are going to go are, like, really interesting. I, You yeah. know what? My friends are sick of me talking about this. The The tonal suits- where the shirt is the same color as the suit, and the and the pants are the same. It's the whole single piece. Make it happen. That's <laughs> legitimately feels like a Gucci twenty twenty four runway show. It looks fucking dope. It's very good. The only thing that I think we might maybe look at a bit funny is some of the visuals, some of the instruments in cockpits and shit. A lot of that was mm. you you look at that and then you're like oh yeah oh, i see where fucking star wars got it from uh, you look at that and you're like i see where alien got it mm. from man the thing that really got me was its 60s sensibility and dialogue thrust into a futuristic setting which is so interesting because i wonder what looking at sci-fi films that are made now films that are made in 2020 and 2023 what they're going to look like in 60 years time. Mm. Are they going to say the same thing? Are they going to say, oh, it's like, it's that 20 sensibility and dialogue and mindset. Or have we reached the point now where we're not going to develop anymore as far as sensibility or dialogue or anything like that goes to a point where it will notably change and we'll be able to go, oh, that you're speaking like you're from the, the 2020s. Mm. rather than speaking like you're in the 2080s. Is there going to be a noticeable difference in how we speak between those two points? Because the difference between the two points of the 60s and the uh, 2023, obviously, is (laughs) leaps and bounds. We do not speak in our day-to-day vernacular like we do in the 1960s. Mm. So, I just found that very interesting, how all the dialogue- Good afternoon, audience. Very good. <laughs> it's good to see you. Have a seat, audience. Very good. <laughs> it's just all that kind of energy, you know, that, like, I was like, man, that's 1960s as hell. The BBC, yes, and we spoke with uh, Dave aboard the- <laughs> I was like, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> this is in 2001. <laughs> Where's the skateboarders? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Where's my Avril Lavigne? Sorry, I really kind of threw you off track. There. No, yeah, you did. I-, I was talking to some friends about this, how I, I honestly don't think that um, 
our vernacular is going to change as much as it has over that period of time mm. for, like, in the next however many years. I think that, like, the internet has sort of centralized- because you, you end up with, like, localized vernacular like that because people are in their own community largely and they talk with people in their own community and they're just doing their own thing in amongst that. Hmm. And that's how you get, like, slang and accents and all that kind of stuff as well. So, mm. yeah, it's the the human body likes to mimic as far as when it comes to pathology and all that kind of stuff goes. Yeah. Especially when you're young. Even then, like- that kind of thing, you know, people talking like they're from the 60s and that that kind of deal, still fit right in for me. Like, didn't put yeah, me off in no, the no, slightest, no. like, fit in with, uh, you know, an alternate history, alternate future history type concept that f- still- mm. you, You're like, you know, it invites you into the world, Douglas. It's- it, and invite you to take <laughs> take part in the world that they are creating, and uh, and it's very convincing. I, I yeah, I I enjoyed all that shit so much. Mm. What feels a little tacky now, and I think this is potentially because I think maybe a lot of people have like ripped them off, is the heavy use of all the classical music through the score. Yes, yes, I think Kubrick kind of does a lot of that anyway. You know, he'd, he'd never really- he's never really been the man for best original score, you know? He's right. always kind of pulled on what's already there, mm. usually, mm. as far as his score. I mean, Full Metal Jacket, well, a bird, 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 bird is the word indeed, my friend. Indeed, so- the bird <laughs> is the word. Have you heard about the word? I have heard about the word, and the bird is- The word. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was. I stopped to let you finish your train of thought because this bit has been- No, 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 no. I knew you it. would fit because you knew what the word was, so- It's the bird, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack is very classical, yes, very- A lot more sparse than I was expecting it to be, though. There hmm. were a lot of moments which it makes the most sense. Uh, in space of silence. In space, there's no sound. Great. I love that. That's, that was always one of my favorite things about gravity, uh, which now looking at it, I'm like, wow. <laughs> Alejandro looked at that one scene from 2001 and went, I'm going to make a whole movie about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I'm trying to remember what else that. They've sort of done that with- What, where in space there's no sound? Well, I mean, a lot- I I suppose a lot of- Well, space operas, you know, your Star Warses and all that kind of stuff. They have the music to accentuate the tension Mm. and to accentuate that- But- Star Wars also uses a lot of whooshy noises. Yes. Uh, I also enjoy how Kubrick just kind of- He learns- He's got this- Ability to just go, no, 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 we shut the fuck up now. We let the image do the thing. We mm. just let it flow. Like, literal dead silence. Hear the motherfuckers in the back of the row eating their popcorn and shit. That's the kind of energy you want. You want motherfuckers to be nervously unwrapping their fantails at the back of- Are fantails coming to the thing? Yeah, they do. Uh, Starburst at the back of the theatre going like, Shit, it's been five minutes of silence. I just want to eat my fucking Starbucks, man. Like- 
crunch. Yeah. <laughs> the guy next to you bites into an apple. <laughs> uh, no, it is good. Like, it, it, I guess what I was trying to get at in a very- Roundabout way. Yeah, roundabout way was that I really like the silence. And I suppose that's the point is that you you tee up to the silence in like the tensest part to really accentuate that. And they do. And it's, and it's good, I suppose. So, no complaints here. Absolutely not. And it was very good to hear the- I mean, it's not from 2001, I know. It's, it's an original composition by Richard Strauss. Um, but the- To finally get that moment within the film that <laughs> made it the moment. Mm. I was, you know, that's another like 250 pop culture tick- Bucket for list. Me. Absolutely. Very happy with that. And kind of forgot how nice the Blue Danube is as well mm. as, a, as a piece of music. And another um, was Johann Strauss. But there's- I like the Blue Danube when it's not doing the Blue Danube. You know what I mean? The bits where it gets- it kind of comes off the other end. Mm. And it does the and it starts doing all that stuff. That's where I'm like, Johan, we're cooking right now. This is it. You guys missed out on Douglas's conductor hands. <laughs> we're going to put a uh, Q&A. Do you want the 250 to be recorded by video? Yes or no, we won't listen. <laughs> also just want to point out, this film was shot by Jeffrey Unsworth. Now, Jeffrey Unsworth also did cinematography for 1972's Cabaret, directed by Bob Fosse. And a, a film that I'm unfamiliar with. I am with. Now, now understanding- why that film is shot so well. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what- Well, actually, it's probably very normal. I was about to say, I wonder what it's like to shoot miniatures, but it's probably the oh, same as- For the time. For similar, similar to shooting wides and- Shooting a- Shooting a people. <laughs> mm. Shooting except, a ship. Except that it's small. Yeah. And just tiny. But you've got to make it big. You've got to make it look big. Mm. Anyway, perspective on all that nonsense. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Douglas. <laughs> I can feel Jonathan. We gotta wrap this up. Douglas, would you recommend this yes. film to our darling listeners? I absolutely would. Absolutely recommend 2001: A Space Odyssey. But, but it is a G-rated movie, which means anyone can watch it. It gets a little bit tense. Gets a little bit slow. Some people die, but. If you can handle a slow burn film and you like looking at pretty, pretty stuff and pretty, pretty images and things going like, whoa, that's just very nice or very intriguing, then 2001 A Space Odyssey is absolutely for you. If you don't like slow, if you don't like sitting in a space of time for two and a half hours going, I don't- what are we doing here? <laughs> what's the- what's our goal? What's the- where are we going? If you're having those thoughts, then skip right along. This ain't the film for you. I- I don't think- and- and this oh. is really- I've already- I'm already pushing the letterbox demons, you know? I'm already poking the fucking 
cage. The beehive, yeah. I really think I could have come up with a better plot to tie all this shit together. <laughs> like, like, fun- we're going to get into it directly. But, but does fund- it need it? Well, yeah, no, but if it doesn't need it, but fundamentally, the the story is about two disconnected things that are, that do not join yeah. in any way. Two key yeah. plot elements. Either connect them- <laughs> through something, you know, through so- it could be through a character's experience, or it could be something more direct, or 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 make it more clear that there's something that this is just not two separate things happening, or or trim one of them. <laughs> Basically, one of them is a MacGuffin. There's a <sighs> there's a MacGuffin that takes up like an hour of screen time, Douglas. Uh, but, uh, but consider this. It was a really pretty hour of screen time. <laughs> some of it, but I got sick of some of that hour, man. We're going to talk about it directly. I don't know. Um, it is, <laughs> like, like I said, like, truly, truly, I believe that the visuals of this still stand up, like, fucking Ugh. 50 years later, which is crazy. Absurd. Stella. Stella 60. film. Well, it was 67. <laughs> so, f- yes. Well, 60, it was 67. So, 55 years later. Not quite 60. Split the difference. Reach through the camera, Douglas. Shake my hand. Oh, very good. Oh, very good. Yes. Um, uh, Agree to agree. And- uh, Your hand is so greasy. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza hands. It's it's very fun. (laughs) I just think that the story- And I mean, even reading the short story it's based on, I'm like, this this seems cooler. And it's- and it's cohesive, Douglas. And it comes together. It- I don't care. It comes together like a pair of- <laughs> Fuck your story. For once in my lifetime, I'm like, fuck your story. I don't well, then care. Fuck- no, no. Yeah, I, look, I- If the story was thin, <laughs> but but single-minded, then I'd be like, cool. This is just to be, like, visually cool. And you could even- You can even- You can have a small story- that's like, we're just here to make you think about stuff. But like, this story deigns to do that. It says, oh, I'm going to make you think about AI and evolution. And it's like, what? What are you telling me? AI could be bad. Evolution could be an alien. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, anyway, the movie was pretty good. It's It insists upon itself, <laughs> Douglas. It insists upon itself. <laughs> But it's very pretty. Sure, watch it if you want. Yes, we 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 probably are fine for content warnings. It's spacey stuff. It's space spookier, and it should. It doesn't spookier. necessarily pass the Bechdel test, but I don't think you're watching 2001: A Space Odyssey for it to pass. The I Bechdel mean, it test. barely passes the the men talking to each other test. So <laughs> true. Just anyone talking to anyone. That's mm, true. Mm. The first 25 minutes, there's no dialogue. Wait a minute. Oh no, they're not named. There are definitely ladies that. I think talk to each other. There's- But, but they're not stewardesses. named. Yeah. And yeah. the ladies at the airport as well. Ah. But they're not named. No, they're not named. You know who else isn't named? I do want to get this out before we jump over to spoilers. The people that Stanley Kubrick took the Oscar home for, for visual effects. He took the Oscar home for visual effects in his name. And the actual technicians who did all the visual effects did not get named. That's pretty fucking bad, man. Cool. All right. That's well, so bad. Fuck I just want to get guy. that out there. It's just like fuck no, that yeah, guy. Yeah. No, we we don't stand Stanley Kubrick as a person. It w- it was an enjoyable experience, but I I just don't 
It's not. It's not. The, it's not one of the best ones we've had in in recent history. Is all I'm saying. But it was very pretty. Yeah, you still like Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket more. Full Metal Jackal. Uh, let's have a spoiler noise. And we are now in the spoiler zone. Anything past this point can, may, will, may, can, will. Spill, spoil. Spill. Spill. 2001, A Space Odyssey. <laughs> a film where a man and a robot have sex in space. Ah. What? There's no- I'm pissed. There's no connection. What's the point of the monoliths except to be a fucking MacGuffin? Because I think if you- So, they were- I think- I think- Okay. They wanted to do the thing where, you know, grey alien or whatever, right? They wanted to have aliens. But- Okay, multiple options. Number one, budget, maybe. Number two, Kubrick, conscious of how it may look in decades to come, along with Hal, you know, you could have easily put Hal in, like, one of those Wally-looking motherfucking controlled-by-wires puppet robots, and then he looks stupid in, like, a decade because- Star Wars comes along and I've got motherfucking C-3PO and R2-D2 and all that shit. And then it's like, oh, well, Hal looks like a goddamn dickhead now, doesn't he? But because you make it just that eye, it's all the more- I uh, I really like Hal. Let the record state. I really, really like Hal. Hal is super cool. I think Hal is like- Hal is awesome. I think um, it's not really dug into that deep, but I think that you can also do some fun theory crafting about like what drives Hal to do the things that Hal does- I think- Yeah, that was my biggest thing going away. Um, like, why, I, I think that's why cool. Why did he do and, all that? And, like, if you, if you have the film about, like, a guy going and dis- and going for whatever reason to look for a habitable planet or something like that with Hal and Hal goes crazy and, and it all sort of goes- Like, that'd be great. It's just, like, the feels like the monoliths weasel <laughs> their way in. You're describing Annihilation right now. <laughs> I may be, but, um, <laughs> but like the whole back part of the film, like, I don't know what that is supposed to say. So, and that's why I'm saying that's why the monoliths are there, because they, I don't think Kubrick wanted to do alien aliens. I think he just wanted something that was much more succinct and like, just, it's a big old slab and it's spooky. Yeah, because yeah, you the- could also have a story about like cosmic horror, which is sort of what yeah, that is, you know. Totally. It's like completely beyond your comprehension. But I don't Love think- Lovecraftian kind of- I yeah. don't think you make this interesting thing with the AI and that's resolved. And then you go, oh, we've gone into fun AI land and the story in fun AI land is finished. We're going to go over to weird cosmic horror land. Oh, 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 it's the same image for seven fucking minutes. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and he's a baby. Like, I- Yeah, Yo, the ending did have me. I was like, and he's a baby and we're done. I was genuinely, I was expecting- with how long all of the imagery was going for, I was- And I checked the runtime. I was like, we got 20 minutes left in this motherfucker. It was about to be 20 minutes of imagery. And then this guy just cuts to black, written and directed by Stanley Kubrick. I was going to shit myself. <laughs> but the, the, I mean, yes, that would have- Look, the ending is not good. That would have been worse. You are correct. Yeah, yeah. But, like, 
you 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 need to like tee up if you're gonna have. I suppose you don't need to tee up. That's like that's the whole thing. Like if it had, if it was more focused on cosmic horror and the terror of the unknown and that kind of thing, then that would have maybe been a better ending. I would maybe tee it up with something about his character, so it's not just like here's him getting old and then turning into a baby. Douglas is doing Italian main- hands at me. The ma- <laughs> I'm preparing for the Godfather. The oh. main gripe that I'm- I well, the main gripe that I'm hearing is that correct me if I'm wrong, that it's trying to grapple with too many subjects mm. at the same time without fully committing to any of them. It's just yeah. kind of going here. The- oh, bye bye. Here's the oh, bye bye. And then it's, it's it doesn't two sort ever of give core you- concepts. Yeah, and but I I I. And then that's giving you, like, this, well, what the fuck? Like, say something about it. If you're going to do it, say something about it. Everyone who try- who talks about, you know, he's giving five-star reviews on Letterboxd, is talking about, like, oh, <laughs> this is, like, man's hubris and aliens and space and stuff. I'm like, but that's not really how it's presented. Like, everything else is chill. Like, the spaceships work totally fine. And it's just, like- the robot intelligence was wrong once and then got a big head. Like- I think the, the, there was a big- There was a point where I was like, human race doing what the human race does all the time and just ignoring huge red flags when they're talking- They're on the shuttle over to go and look at the, the monolith on the moon. And they're like, this thing was buried intentionally. It, and it's been buried intentionally for all these years mm. and it's just been dug up. And then the, one of the guys is like, huh, buried intentionally. Wow. So you guys want mayo on this thing? Or like, <laughs> I, like, like it just goes completely somewhere else. And I'm like, wow, there's no way that you're not saying something with that. That's because that's so. so like, that's so just humans being humans are just fucking around with shit that they don't know about. I do also like, like, the short story is the monoliths are, like, they're called sentinels. And the idea is that an alien race has left these things behind and they're transmitting signals out. And then Mm. when the intelligent life that's near it reaches the point that it can travel to this sentinel, this monolith, and destroy it through its advanced weaponry, it stops sending the signal and the alien race goes- Oh, now there's now we know there's something there that we've got to watch out for, uh-huh. and it's and it's like uh, Wilson expresses a belief the aliens will soon be turning their gaze upon the Earth. That's a cool concept. Like I I I think that's nifty. But the the film isn't like that. It's like this 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 rock will make you trip balls. That's that's way too actiony for Kubrick. That's way too in your face and but it's not actiony because it's not it's Kubrick. not them like they don't fight they don't fight the aliens. It is like a cosmic horror thing. It's like, what is this thing? And then they have this realization. But it's presenting this much more logical and tangible tension. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, Kubrick films are always illogical. And I'm hoping that- I think we've got two more, I think, left in the in the thing. Maybe one more. But I'm hoping that you will look at Kubrick, how I've now learned to look at him, in that- the first watch, it fuck it doesn't make sense. Nothing makes fucking sense. It doesn't. Nothing like actually properly like works, except for Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket was the one where it was like everything was like Bing Bang Boom, uh, happy days. 
Fuck, 2001 is the most illogical film out of the whole bunch, though. Maybe par for Clockwork Orange. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the story in this, because it feels like that's not the thing. And it sounds like that's the thing that's pissing you off the most, is because he's like, you you want the story to matter. You want the story to be doing these things. Is that right? I, I Or to be making, to be providing some further form of commentary. It just needs to be leading somewhere. It just sounds like it's making grand gestures that feel like they're just grand gestures without- It's a guy standing behind soundproof glass and he's telling the most powerful monologue of all time, but you can't hear him and he's just doing gestures and his his, his physical acting is incredibly weak. Is that what, like- That's exactly what I'm saying, Douglas. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the film's like, the film's like, whoa, The Rock makes- Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. The other way around. The other way around. The other way around, because that works more in line with how the film is, like, you know, physically- Whoa, the AI- He's- Doesn't- (laughs) Doesn't want you to kill it. Whoa, wouldn't it be crazy if you saw the back of your own head? You're a baby now. Like- Shit, I never actually thought about that. That's fucking wild. (laughs) What would seeing the back of my- Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I just don't- I, And people try Whoa. and make these connections between them, and I'm just not convinced, basically. Like, because I think that the AI thing, it just feels like it's leading in a different direction. Like, I like this concept that- mm. So, my take as well, and, and and this is also just, like, stupid speculation. My take with Hal is that I think you can- You know, like, like why does Hal do it? Which I think is- Maybe not necessarily the right question to be asking with something like this that's sort of supposed to be a bit bigger and more exciting. But I think that on its own is- I feel like the film is, like, framed as- It it, it lands in this little seat of them- Him versus the AI and then, like, what does it mean to, like, kill this thing? And that's its own mm. little piece of the story that I think would be, like, really neat on its own. You know what they should have done? They should have just pulled, like, a playtime where there isn't really a story at all. And it's just yeah. these dudes mess around on a spaceship and, like, wide angles. <laughs> that's it. It's the attempt at a story that's pissing you off. I don't know. I don't know what's pissing me off. I'm- I'm- No, oh, man. I'm, I'm really t- trying to- I'm trying to find the- the- the thorn in your side about this film. But- I'm- I'm- Yeah. Fine. Flailing against the wind, I guess. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, 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 it's not even, it's not even that. Like, I'm trying to bring you around or anything like that. I'm genuinely just trying to, I'm trying to. What, hear what, your, is, what is your, your and, and, and this is going to sound combative, and I promise it's not. <laughs> but like, what, what, what's your do damage? You, <laughs> what do you think that Kubrick is trying to say with this film? Okay. Hmm. I think. He got super- he read this book, the short story, and he went, this sounds mental, and I like space now, and I just want to make a film about space and how cool space is, because he gets that. He gets that space is really, really cool and really, really scary at the same time. So, he's like, what if I made a film that's just about how cool and scary space is? What else is scary about space and the prospect of future? AI, that's kind of scary. I'm going to mess around with that for a little bit as well, because fuck it. Uh, what else is scary about space? 
gravity. There's nothing out there. You fall. Bye bye. See you later. You fall off. You get put. Holy shit. The bit where it was practically comedic. The bit where <laughs> yes. uh, Dave is like fucking around with the thing. And then there's the window in the back and you see him go boom and like flying off into the distance. I oh. went, ha. <laughs> Do you think we'll be looking at this wrong? You reckon this oh. film was, like, an attempt at a horror movie? I think if you looked at it that way, you're barking up the wrong tree. I think that if, if with a little bit of reshaping, this could be, like, a very competent horror movie. And I'll bet that this is, this is totally. being done of, like, man versus AI type thing. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I, totally. there's- yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, to me, this film is- it's a it's a weak hand job that finishes too early. Then <laughs> then a break for orange slices. And then two more hand jobs that finish too early. And then the film ends. <laughs> right? Great time. Shit. Great time. Each each of those three times. And then I'm let down at the end. I'm like, that was it? That was it? Oh, orange slices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, orange slices. <laughs> like, it's almost- I love the airport because it's it's just fun to look at and uncomplicated and, you, you know- You know why I like the airport? I like the airport, dogs. Because I finally understand where Near Automata got its inspiration <laughs> from. You know, the uh-huh. base level that- 2B runs around in yeah, and it's yeah. like the it's like that cyclical spaceship and you run along and it continues to go like that. That's there's no way. There's no way that's not the, a reference. The concept of artificial gravity through like a spinning section of a ship is uh, is all over the place in you know fiction Sci-fi. and even like video yeah. games and yeah, yeah yeah. Um I wonder where it came from originally. What was the original yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised for this, or at least it's it's sort of maybe depiction in in fiction. Perhaps it was probably speculated about in science papers prior to this, and that would have been where yeah. someone would have got their yeah. inspiration from. But but yeah, I mean it's cool. It's very cool. I love I love I love their spaceship. Yeah. Oh, super cool. The dick looking fucking hell yeah. Because this the scene where the lady does like the spin around, I feel like. In reality, something like that, you'd have like handholds so you can spin yourself around quicker. Cause she was fucking, she was trotting around that circle. That's got a diameter of like three meters. She's trotting around yeah. that thing for like 40 seconds, like walking yeah. slowly. Yeah. Whereas when, when Dave is jogging around his spaceship, that's fucking dope. And the camera for it looks yeah. so good. That, that is stellar. And I think that's a much better example of that concept, but. Mm. You know the other thing I like about Kubrick films, actually? Just, you just made me realise it. There's not a single actor here where I was like, oh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro. You know, he, Kubrick never did that. He never had actors who he's like, you come back, you're high profile celebrity. Who the fuck are these guys? I don't know. Do they come back again in anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I think this is it for them. Which- it's a shame because Keir Dahlia was really good as Dave. I really liked Keir's performance. I thought he was really, really cool. Mm. He's got a very nice shape to his face as well. And I wrote down about Douglas Rain. Go on, you Douglas. Nice to meet another Douglas. <laughs> I feel like we don't- Yeah, we don't get many Douglases, I feel. 
We really don't. I wrote that he had a tarantula quality to him in the way that he delivered his performances, Hal. Because it's it's almost like he's just sitting on his spider web, you know? And just kind of watching, waiting, 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 and then just picking the right- seizing the right moments, you know? It's just very- yeah, I don't know how else to explain it, but just- it was when I heard him, I was like, that's a motherfucking tarantula. This guy, that's a tarantula right there. <laughs> Douglas, do you have- do you have any shining lights? Uh, the bit where Dave goes out to retrieve Frank, and it comes back to the ship, and it's just Hal, and there's, like, the shot of him, like, <laughs> alone, and Hal's doing, like, the, Mum and Dad are gone, <laughs> what do I do? And it's, like, <laughs> sticking the fork in, like, the electric outlet, like, setting the fire alarms off, like, hosing down the kitchen. It's that kind of, like, the childish quality of, like- Guess I kill all the people in hibernation because mum and dad are gone. So, <laughs> I don't know, just something about that when it started hitting the fan, I was like, oh, of course he does. I really like them putting in Daisy Bell. I think that's a cute reference and it's old enough mm. that you're like, that's cute. I also enjoy how long it takes for the extremely long Jupiter spaceship to <laughs> fly on screen. That bitch just keeps on going. <laughs> it just keeps going and keeps going. He's huge, yeah. I think they aped on that in Spaceballs, which- Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, which is good. Like, this is a shot where it just keeps on going. I think it, just, I think it goes even longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Anyway, um, my take, Douglas, was that Hal thought that it wasn't wrong and thought that the humans were trying to usurp it and because it was the smartest thing on the ship that it- was the only one who could be trusted to fulfill the mission. And that's why it killed all mm. of them. Because it was like, I'm, I'm the smartest person here. Cause it's AI. Cause it's, cause it's, cause it's an asshole. It sees all of the outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was, uh, mm, I like that. That's good. I said, I'm not going to talk about it because it's not important, but I, I was sitting here. I'm itching, man. Yeah, I'm itching my fucking, I'm like, oh, I gotta, gotta get this shit out. Up through your body. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, do you have any trivia for us? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and keep it short because I'm feeling my throat uh, proceed. Closing to- up. Yeah. <gasps> the movie was not a financial success at first. MGM was planning to pull it back from theatres, but several theatre owners persuaded them to keep showing the film. Many owners noticed increasing number of young adults attending the film. They were especially enthusiastic about watching the Stargate sequence under the influence of psychedelic drugs. This helped the <laughs> film to become a financial success. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I love Let's that. Let's go, hippies. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm going to do a second take of this movie night. That's And super. we're going to all take fucking LSD. Hell yeah. Trip the fuck out. Yeah. This would be, be one hell of a movie to watch while tripped out. My God. I think I'd have a mental breakdown. According to Douglas Trumbull, the total footage shot was some 200 times the final length of the film. 200. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, leave that. This is a long movie, though. I stand by it. And Kubrick uh, Kubrick lets the camera run. Specifically, so I, I'd already touched on it briefly, but specifically in the opening scene, I think you could comfortably- like. We were just going on, we're like, oh, okay, the monkey scene is done. Cool. We're in the real world. And someone, a friend showed up late 
and they were like, oh, how much did I miss? I'm like, oh, you missed like 15 minutes or something. And, and I hovered over 30 fucking minutes just on that. Which yeah. I don't think is bad stuff, but, but yeah, they really, really let it fucking sit sometimes. And the other one that I found particularly egregious is all the pulsating colors and shit near the end, like when he's between touching oh, the monolith yeah. and yeah. looking at the back of his own head. Some, yep. that shit drags, man. That, that shit goes way too long. Everything else I was quite happy to look at. I thought, I thought it was it, it, like, it was just a fun piece of world building. And I was just, let's keep slogging with that. But those two bits in particular, I was like, that's, and that's easy, easily find 30 minutes to trim off of that comfortably. So easy. So easy, Douglas. I think it was even longer on the first screening, but then Stanley took it back and chopped another 30 minutes off of it. Fuck so off. It's already Stanley. been chopped. Good lord. Stanley, Stanley, Stanley. According to Sir Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote the original short story, Stanley Kubrick wanted to get an insurance policy from Lloyd's of London to protect himself against losses in the event that extraterrestrial intelligence were discovered before the movie was released. <laughs> Lloyd's refused. Carl Sagan commented, quote, In the mid-1960s, there was no search being performed for extraterrestrial intelligence, and the chances of accidentally stumbling on extraterrestrial intelligence in a few years' period was extremely small. Lloyds of London missed a good bet. End quote. <laughs> At the premiere screening, 241 people walked out of the theatre, including Rock Hudson, who said, quote, Will someone tell me what the hell this is about? End quote. So Arthur C. Clarke once said, quote, If you understand 2001 completely, we failed. We wanted to raise far more questions than we answered. End quote. Clarke later expressed some concern that the film was too hard to follow and explained things more fully in the novelization and subsequent sequels. I don't think it was hard to follow. I think it's pretty straightforward what is happening. It's just that <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't mean anything. That's my real problem. <laughs> uh, they, find, they, they find the monolith, they go to Jupiter, the AI goes crazy, they shut the AI off, he goes to Jupiter, he sees the back of his head. <laughs> Roll credits. Oh, turn there into you a go. Baby. Roll credits. He turns into a baby. That like it 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 is uh, not necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean I'm digging my hole so deep right now. Don't know. No, no really keep are. going. Keep going. No, no, I'm not going <laughs> to keep going. I appreciate your resistance. <laughs> Frank Miller, who plays the mission control voice, was a member of the U.S. Air Force in reality and a real mission controller. He was hired because his voice was the most authentic the producers could find for the role. Let's be fucking. Anyway, inexperienced and nervous, he could not keep from tapping his foot during recording sessions, and the tapping sound repeatedly came through on the audio tracks. Stanley Kubrick folded up a towel, put it under Miller's feet, and told him to tap to his heart's content. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. That's funny. (laughs) Modern problems require modern solutions. (laughs) Absolutely. And also cheap solutions. Why overcomplicate it? Exactly. I was sitting there thinking about, like, how do you- how do you separate the noise out? You know, how do you- Where you put yeah. fucking audio foam ah. to make all this shit work? It's just like, no, nah, just- No, just put a towel on Put them in a pair of slippers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The entire centrifuge section of the Discovery spacecraft was constructed as a single set. It was designed to rotate for shots such as a sequence in which Frank went jogging so that the actor remained on the bottom. Mm. It was cool. It was in a gigantic hamster wheel, and that's fucking crazy, man. I want to look up what the set looks like. But I was like, there's no other way to really do it. There, There is some scene- I, I can't remember if it's in that scene. Or, 
like they show him going all the way around. They've got Frank sitting at the table, like reading the, watching the news or whatever and eating his food. I think he's only ever like slightly off, off angle. I don't think they do him when he's doing the full loop, but yeah, it's Mm. totally convincing. I think you can absolutely pick how they did it, but this is, this is what movie criticism does to you, Douglas. It sucks the fun (laughs) out of the film. (laughs) It doesn't just let you go like that. Wow. That's cool. You got to keep a little bit of that inner child alive, absolutely. As best you can. Uh, originally, Stanley Kubrick wanted legendary manga creator Osamu Tezuka to do some of the art direction after watching Astro Boy. However, Tezuka had to turn down the offer due to transporting issues from Japan to the UK at the time. After the film's release, Tezuka told Kubrick that he loved the movie and listens to the film's soundtrack while making his work. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cute. That would have been mad though. Tezuka's art direction on this. Oh, that would have been crazy cool. Would have been like Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it's commonly believed that the famous jump cut is from the bone being tossed in the air to a ship floating in space, it is not, in fact, a spaceship. It's a nuclear device circling the Earth. So the bone being used as the first motor weapon is thrown to the ultimate weapon. Originally, the Star Child was to detonate this device and all the other devices that were circling the Earth. Stanley Kubrick decided against the ending as it was too similar to the end of his previous film, whoa, spoilers, where nuclear bombs are exploded. Mm. <laughs> at least, uh, at least, Douglas, at least that would be a cohesive theme. What's that? If you weapon. need the director to say, oh, by the way, that was a nuclear bomb missile weapon. It's like, okay, well, you did not communicate that well, sir. <laughs> yeah, but the people who know it know it. How are you supposed to find out? You've got to sit through fucking You talk, to, you you talk to someone who knows it and then they go, hey, did you know that that was a thing? And then they go, oh, that, ah, and then knowledge. No, I don't like that. I don't like you. Despite its G rating, there are five on-screen murders. The primate being beaten to death, Frank Poole, and the three hibernating astronauts killed by Hal. The dialogue also includes the word hell three times and damn twice. <gasps> oh, oh, my goodness. Cannot have our- I was actually kind of mind blown when I saw that it was G rated. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And thinking back on it, and you're like, yeah. Yeah, it makes really sense. Happens, I guess. <laughs> no no plus warning honestly. in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I got. If you enjoyed, thank you, Douglas, for the trivia. If you enjoyed this episode of the 250 podcast, we put on new episodes every week, Tuesday, midnight, Australian Standard Time, which comes out to Monday. Afternoon to Europe and Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go if they want more info on the podcast? If you would like more info on the podcast, you can go to www.250.com. It's a hub for all things 250 related. There is a full list of IMDb's top 250 films of all time as of January 2020 on the homepage, as well as three lovely little links at the top of the website there. There's a link to our Spotify. You can listen to us wherever good podcasts are sold. There's a link to our Instagram, which is at 250pod. If you want to keep up to date with all things 250 related, our DMs are also open. And there's our email which is mail at 250.com. Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website we're great big fans of. My account on Letterboxd is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H. <laughs> and Douglas. Douglas, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> My account is Yenzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K and I-G-H-T, Yenzo Knight. You can look up Upa, Yenzo Knight, or 250 in the Letterboxd search engine and you'll find us. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here in the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. Very quickly, in my spare time, I watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, 
Um, the 2023 one, Mutant Mayhem. It's so cool that Into the Spider-Verse exists. It's so cool that they could ma- make a movie this bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just so cool that, like, ever since Into the Spider-Verse has come out, it feels like every animation industry is now, like, completely flipping themselves on their head and all chasing after that, which is just- mm. It's so cool to feel- the hunger revitalized in the animation industry because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has that in spades. Creatively, it is so fucking unique and so interesting and it's just so cool to see more animation like this. It's just so engaging. Shame that the screenplay's a bit shit, which honestly, (laughs) there's no real excuse when Puss in Boots exists and has uh, some of the best commentary on anxiety in any film ever. You can't- you got to be punching bigger numbers for that. That being said, the four turtles are the most likable I've ever seen them presented, which is something. And Ayo Yadabiri uh, plays oh. the, the female character. I've completely forgotten her name, which is terrible. April. April O'Neil. She plays April O'Neil. Which is very cool. I love that she plays that character because she does it very well. And another Ayo Itabiri thing that I watched was Bottoms. I got to smash through that lovely little comedy flick. It's such a short movie, which is fantastic as well. I feel like 80% of this movie would not be funny if it weren't for Rachel Sennett and Ayo Itabiri. They are just such a fucking powerhouse duo. They play off each other perfectly. Ayo Itabiri's delivery of dialogue is literally incomparable. She's so dry with how she delivers a lot of her more comedic lines, which I just love her for. She's the best. It's really good to have a film like this and to have it centered around homosexuality as well. is really cool because it flips that whole uh, teenage rom-com, sex rom-com thing on its head a little bit from the nostalgia that we all have, but it gives it a very more, I guess, relevant quality, which I think is really cool. And Ayo Dabiri cool. is great. And then I watched the Jujutsu Kaisen movie, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, uh, because I've been trying to- How many, how many fucking Jujutsu Kaisen films have you watched? Or am I having a stroke? No, there's only one. Didn't you watch some fucking anime movie, like, a couple weeks back? Am I having a stroke? No, you're having a stroke, I would have sworn. Are you kidding me? No, you did watch one. You watched one in July. In July? No, that's the the TV show. The TV show is just on Letterboxd. You (laughs) fucking, you prick, you piece of shit. That fucking fake Letterboxd user. Oh, my God. Get the fuck out of here. Good uh, fucking god. Does uh, it yeah, I just logged it on Letterboxd as I was already watching it. So, And I've been catching up on the second season. The second season is great. I'm really enjoying it. I love that they've given, both in the movie and in the second season, they've been giving characters who duly needed more backstory, really getting that backstory out there in a very fun and engaging way. And I really like where the show is heading. It's got a lot of tension. There's questions unanswered. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm really excited for. So. Yeah, looking for a little cheeky little shonen anime. JJK is pretty all right. Huh. Uh, Dogs, I watched 
the Rocky Horror Picture Show on the 13th wow. of February. Fire Friday, 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 Friday the 13th. Not even close. <laughs> yep, Friday the 13th. Yeah, what the fuck? All these, all these F words just blend together in my head. Fuck. Uh, one of the best watchings I've had of it. We had an Friday, absolutely packed February cinema. Fuck the 14th. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Fuck you, the 14th. We had, um, yeah, absolutely packed cinema and just like did you do the, the most rambunctious Did you crowd. do the whole bit? Yeah, of course we did, Douglas. Stupid Fuck, question. Yeah. There was a couple of theater kids that I wanted to murder, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I. We're a if you go, no, no, no. If you go up on stage in one of the group scenes and you do and you act out the group scene, that's fine. You're having fun. If you go up during one of the Doctor Frankenfurter solos and do the Doctor Frankenfurter solo on the stage in front of the in front of the screen, sorry, honey. You're not as good as Tim as Curry Tim is. Curry. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Very true. And no one ever will. Anyway. Be. Anyway, lots of fun. And I also rewatched Deadpool 2, uh, apropos of nothing. I was just at a friend's house and they put it on. And it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. I think that everything that's not the comedy is really good. <laughs> like the, like the spoken comedy is all pretty bad. And there's the whole yeah. bit with the, with like the dubstep joke, which was like old when it came out. And that film came out five years ago. And it's really, it really hurts to listen to it again. Uh, all, yeah, all the like physical and sort of plot structural comedy is pretty fun. Everything that's like dialogue is kind of a bit weak, largely speaking. Fucking every time TJ Miller opens his mouth, I want to fucking strangle him. But um, <laughs> whatever, it was fine. The new one's supposed to come out like kind of soon, I think, next year. Really? Shit. Yeah, it's got um my god Hugh Jackman in it playing Wolverine. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that being the whole big selling point is you know Hugh Jackman's back, Ryan Reynolds Ooh. pulled him back in, which you know of course he did. I knew Hugh Jack when Hugh Jack was like, "I'm stepping away from Wolverine." I was like, "No, you're not. Shut the fuck up." <laughs> everyone, you, everyone knows you're not. You fucking hunk. Anyway, wow. yeah, I've just been adding things to my watch list without you- removing things from my watch list. You really don't write reviews anymore, huh? You just log stuff. I don't really have anything to say, so man. You, 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 you just heard 40 minutes of how difficult it was for me to get my fucking thoughts in order about 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> right? Like, ostensibly a good film. Like, what do I have to say about Deadpool 2? Deadpool 2 like- Deadpool. Deadpool. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the, the 250 podcast. We have M next week. Fritz mm. Lang. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sorry. Fritz, baby. That's a- I think we only call it that in South Australia. I love Lang? Nope. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, Who is Fritz Lang? Movie. He did Metropolis. That's right. He did do Metropolis. Yes. This is a f- film from 31. This is old, as old, old as fuck. Old yeah. ass film. That's um, good. Cool. Excited. Um, see ya. Yeah, Bye-bye. I got nothing. Goodbye. Such a sad end.